About 25 years ago, I thought I would retire as a youth pastor. I was what they called a lifer. I was in the youth ministry for life. I was youth pastor at a church in Indiana, and I loved it. Love kids. I still do. Um, but I thought I would retire. And then there was a, a graduate class that I took at Cincinnati Christian University, or whatever it was called at the time, Cincinnati Christian College. It was a graduate class on leadership. And it was one of those things where it was a week long, Monday through Friday, basically 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning till 5 o'clock in the afternoon, every single day, college-level class. And uh, this was about Tuesday at 10 a.m. I'm on my second Mountain Dew, you know. I mean, I love leadership, and, and I love that, but it was, you, you're, trying to, you're trying to pace yourself and stick it out. And it was like God called me very clearly to lead a church. And I tried to figure out what that meant, and so I prayed about it, obviously, and then I called a Bible college professor of mine from Ozark Christian College. His name was Mark Moore, and he said, you need to talk to my dad. He's on the board of this church planning organization in California that has lots of money. Well, they didn't have a lot of money, but it was his dad, and they were a part of this. He was on the board of this organization, and he he said, uh, I said to him, I don't really think that the world needs more churches. It needs good churches. And I say that because I'm in Indiana, and within a mile radius of my house, there are five Christian churches as a non-denominational denomination, which, whether you know it or not, that's a part of our heritage, within a mile of my house. They're all mega churches, And so I'm like, we don't need another church. We just need some good ones. And then I saw the statistics about church planting being the number one way to reach people for Christ. It's not the only way, but the most effective way to reach people for Jesus Christ and see them saved and growing in a discipleship-oriented mentality is church planting. And so I said, all right, I'm in. And I distinctly remember calling Mark's dad, and his name was Vern. I said, Vern, um, I could see myself taking a church that is splitting, and maybe 500 people, and take the, the, the more biblical side of the split and the side that wants to start over with new vision, and I could just take them and we could go. And I said, and I, and I remember telling him this, I just don't want to start with six people in my living room. He said, I'm sorry to hear that because that's how a lot of ours start. And I was like, I don't know. So 17 and a half years ago, we started with six people in our living room, exactly six people. Uh, it was my wife and I, and she was pregnant, so I guess it was six and a half people. And then a family of four, and we started in our living room. That was 17 and a half years ago. Here's what I want you to get in all this. Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Now, this is where, this is where I think we've all been in this boat, at least at some point in our lives. Maybe not right now, but at some point in your life, you've been, this is something that unites us. This is a common denominator that, that we all have. If we really sit down and on to, honestly contemplate this, we really do think that this life is about us. We think that, that our, it's about our happiness, it's about our well-being, it's about our contentment, it's about our president, it's about our agenda. It's about us, if we're honest. If we're not there now, we've been that way in the past. This year, I will, and you've been for the last month plus filling in that blank, and you've been getting ideas of what you could put in that blank. This year, I will read the Bible more. I will do some devotions. I will give and make that a priority in my life and generous living. And I will be a part of small groups, whatever it may be. Maybe some of you filled in that, that gap with some, uh, this year I will lose some pounds. And you put in a certain pound, poundage that you want to see gone uh, 
or gained, I guess, depending, but not many of us. Uh, not many of, anyway, never mind. There's a hole. I'll just step out of that. Uh, this year, I'll complete my education. This year, I will, I will work on my marriage in these three ways. Listen, I want you to know God loves us, and He has our best interests in mind. But that scripture very clearly tells us it's about His purposes prevailing. Even though He loves us and He cares about our best interest, it's all relationship to His purposes that they would prevail. But I don't always keep those purposes at the top of my priority. Maybe, maybe you feel the same way. When we go to God and we listen and He speaks to us, we only have a few options. We go to God and say, this year I will, God, tell me what you want me to do this year. Tell me how I should grow this year. Tell me what I should invest in this year. And then we listen and he speaks to us. We really only have a few options. The first option, and you might jot this down and note that it's not very you know, deep, but it's very important. The first option is to obey. This year I will, and you'll fill in the blank there, and, and a way that you can respond to that leading is just to flat out obey it. God first took a hold of my heart at a revival at a big church I was at. There's about 2,000 people in this church, and uh, I was a pastor, youth pastor at that church, and, and we were at a revival, old school revival, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, altar call every night. That's where people would come forward and, and, and give their lives to Jesus, or they'd recommit their lives, or they would ask for prayer. And, and so I was one of the pastors of that church. It was a big, big stage, and there were stairs going up. And, and, uh, and, and so we were, people come forward. I'd shake their hand. What, what decisions would you like to make? And they'd tell me, I want prayer, or I want this, or I want that. Then, okay, that's great. And then I'd pray with them, or I'd point them over to another decision counselor, and they'd take them in the back and talk to them about Jesus or talk to them about whatever they, they need to talk about. So I'm, I'm sitting here to be receiving things, and it was like God zapped my heart. And I turned around, and I knelt at the, at the altar. It was just a bunch of stairs. But I, I knelt down, and I started praying, and God said, you need to lead a church. You need to get out of youth ministry. And I was like, what? That, that's, that's not cool. I'm a lifer. But he said, no, you need, you need to do this. And, and so I'm like, okay. And I, I decided that that's to try to figure out what that was. And part of that was going to that college class that I mentioned. And in that college class, we listened to a message by Bill Hybels. How many of you have heard of Bill Hybels? Quite a few, but probably half of you at least. Bill Hybels, amazing businessman, amazing story. Willow Creek Church, 20, 30,000, who knows how big it is now. And the Willow Creek Association, even bigger, global ministry. He's speaking at the North American Christian Convention, which is a part of our denomination, our non-denominational denomination. Once a year, a bunch of people gather, about 10,000 people. They get together, and he's speaking at one of these. They're playing it on this cheesy little boombox, and there's two cassettes, that because the message was so long. Do you remember cassettes? Those, yeah, some of you. So some of you are going, what, what's that? So it's like an 8-track, but it's just cooler. Uh, so, <laughs> Sorry, that's pretty funny. You guys got that for the other last, I didn't say that last time, so this is a much better service. He put in, a cas- put in a cassette and he played it. Now remember, it's 10 o'clock and I'm on my second Mountain Dew just trying to stay awake. And, and he played those two cassettes and it's like my heart was jumping out of my chest and I fought back the tears at least seven distinct times where I, I was going to cry. In this class on a Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the morning where everybody's just trying to get through it to the, make it to the end. And I knew it's time to go. And so I, I, I think it was Tuesday, I got out of that class at five and I went to my dorm that I was staying in for that, for that week. And I called my young wife at the time, 
wait, she's still young, but she was really young back then because that was a long time ago. She was, she was a baby. So I called my baby wife. Never mind, there's another hole. I'll just dig out of that real quick. So I called my wife. I said, you need to pack our bags. God's doing something. We're going to go somewhere. This was in January. And she goes, so you're thinking the end of the year? And I said, no, nah, probably this summer. And it was August of uh, that year that we moved from Indiana to California to, to plant a church. That was 17 and a half years ago. And it's been a blessing. We've seen lots of lives change, and we've seen, built lots of relationships, and it's been fantastic. Psalm 20, verse 4 says this, May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. And over the last five weeks, you've been going through this series, five or so, have you really sat down and given God some quality, contemplative time for him to speak to your heart, to hear the desires of your heart come through as you're seeking God for him to show you and reveal those desires of your heart? Because when we align them with God's purposes, he'll reveal them and they'll be amazing. Listen, that's for everybody. That's not just for pastors and spiritual leaders. It's for all of us. This year, I will. I'm going to listen to God. He's going to speak to me, and then I'm going to obey. When God moves on your heart, he'll make your plan succeed. And then all you have to do is just obey him. And I was all in on this whole lead the church thing. I, I loved youth, and I wanted to stay there, but God said, you need to lead a church. I'm, I'm in. I don't know what it means, but I'm in. Radical and immediate obedience. But I don't always respond that way. While at my previous church that we planted 17 and a half years ago, um, it was well over 10 years ago, it might have been 12 years ago, God put a vision in my head for this internet church sort of concept, and I didn't know exactly what it would look like, but I was clear that, that church planting is the number one way to reach people for Christ. It's why I planted the first church, and, and I knew that churches should multiply and not just add. There should be a, an exponential multiplication movement, and the internet was the perfect way to do that, but I responded with the second way that we can respond to God's calling was delay. I can obey or I can delay. It was, it was over 10 years ago, guys, gals. 10 years. I don't think God gave me that vision so I could shelf it for 10 years and decide when I wanted to pull it off the shelf. He gave it to me for, to fulfill, but I delayed. And it took a myriad of negative consequences to finally get me to let go of my church plant and embrace this vision that he gave me. And so in this process, the elders gave me uh, several months to go figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up. This was a, a little over a year ago. And so I did, and the result is, just two months ago, we launched this website, youchoose.community, and that's a picture of the, the top of the homepage, youchoose.community. You might want to write that down. Uh, you, you don't think you do will now, but you will later, I I don't promise. I hope. I hope that you'll want to write that down. Y-O-U, you choose dot community, not dot com, dot community. And so we, we launched this, and it's, a, it's an online place of connection. It's not a church. It's an online place of connection where we're trying to gather people on Facebook, gather people on YouTube, gather people a little bit on Twitter and Instagram, but especially on our, on our homepage, that we want to gather these people together with short, biblical, funny, hopefully, many of them funny or challenging videos that have a biblical basis. And instead of just talking about what those videos are like, I thought I would show you just a sample of what they look like. Here's, here's one of them right now. I don't like organized religion. Heck, I don't like disorganized religion. 
I know that many of you are with me on this. How many times do we have to see religious leaders fall before we bail on the church? Come on! They shout at us about our flaws. They focus on our shortcomings. And they point out all that we're doing wrong. Only to find out they're doing something even worse. And then their hypocrisy is revealed and we say, What are we to do? Most of us quit. We look elsewhere. We walk away from the church, and even worse, we question whether there's any truth at all to the whole idea of faith. I think Christ felt the same way. Jesus said in Mark 7, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Jesus called out the religious leaders in a big way. But get this, Jesus called out their human traditions, their ritualistic thinking. Jesus never said that all the commands are irrelevant. He said, stop living life out with your talk. Stop focusing on outward behavior and look at your hearts. See, it's easy to point out failed pastors and leaders. Heck, I'm a pastor and I know that I'm prone to all kinds of sin. I think Jesus is trying to get to the heart of the matter your heart. You see, there's nothing wrong with a godly lifestyle. There's nothing wrong with living a life separate from those who don't know Christ. But if your heart's not in it, it's real. And the other is authentic. Is in it, it's faith. One is fake and the other is authentic. One is flat and the other is flourishing. One sucks energy from others and the other gives life to those who hear it. Same message, same gospel, but when your heart is in it, You'll make a difference instead of hurting people. You'll lead people to the cross instead of repulsing them with religion. Have you been hurt by religious people? Jesus knows your pain. It happened to him too. Seriously. Jesus' enemies were religious people. Those were the ones who appeared to behave correctly. The ones who told everyone all about how awesome they are. Jesus blasted them and said, that's not cool. You're ruining it for those whose hearts are really in it. You're ruining it for Christianity, the whole movement. You're ruining it for those who seek an authentic faith. Jesus didn't like organized religion, but he died and rose again for those who have genuine faith. Listen, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Don't let a few bad examples negate the amazing life that Christ lived and died for. Check out You Choose for what it means to really follow Jesus. He can change your life for the better. He can give you real purpose and peace. He can forgive your sins and give you eternal life. Choose Jesus today and let us know how we can help in that process. So let me ask you, do you know anybody in your sphere of influence, family or friends, that need to hear that? So quite a few of you would raise your hands on that. So that's a way that we can partner together, and I'll get that in just a second. This site has a bunch of videos like that that is a way for people that resonate with that and go, oh, this is cool, I'll subscribe, or I'll I'll connect, or I'll like it on on the page on Facebook or or whatever, that we can gather together and, and see people be disciples who make disciples. It's a place to connect to eventually get to disciples making disciples, and then we want to launch 20 churches in the next two years, 20 simple churches, 20 house churches. And, and a church is defined this way, and let's get, to the, let's get to the basics of this. A church is defined this way. A spiritual community or a spiritual family, listen now, listen, just, I, know, I know this may be a little too much for some of you, but just listen. A spiritual family, a spiritual community, with Christ in the center is king, 
who love God, love others, and make disciples who make disciples. A spiritual family, a spiritual community, spiritual group, with Christ in the center as king, who love God and love others, that's the revealed will of God in the Old Testament. That's the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love others. And to make disciples who make disciples is the revealed will of God in the New Testament, which is the Great Commission. Jesus said, as you go, make disciples. Go and make disciples, baptize them, teach them everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you to the end of the age. So it's the revealed will of God in the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's the summary. That's the, that's the whole concept of church is to have a spiritual community with Christ in the center as king who love God, love others, and make disciples who make disciples. And making disciples who make disciples is the point for all of us. All of us, whether we go to a, a big church like this, whether we go to a simple church or a house church of 12 or wh- whatever it is, every believer is required to be a disciple who makes a disciple. It is the point because it's not all about us. It's about him and his purposes. And his purpose is that everybody would know Jesus. We hope this is a way for churches to be able to multiply because they never get more than 12. You do church, you do faith, you do community, you do life, whatever you want to call it, with 12 of your closest family and friends, because eventually we're going to gather all, all those people that are gathered in our, in our community, we're going to encourage them or someone they know to launch their own community if they're not connected in a great church like this. But if they are connected to a great church like this, then this is a way for us to be able to partner. In fact, your pastor wanted me to share some of this, because you can utilize these videos once you subscribe or go check it out or do whatever, for those people who, that video may not hit you, but another one on racism will. That one stirred up a whole bunch of controversy and good, good stuff too. Uh, or it could be on Grace. Or maybe you're a Taylor Swift fan. I've got one in there for her. Like it doesn't matter what, there's all kinds of weird variety of videos and you'll see one and go, oh my goodness, my sister in Missouri needs to hear that. And you can share it with her. You can send a link or post it on her Facebook page. But the idea is that that gets the word out in a free, simple way that's not too, not too confrontive, kind of funny in a cheesy, my way, about religion. And you tell them the simple gospel. You break it down as well as you can in, in such a short period of time. And so if you, if you were, would want to be a part of that, yeah, you see it up there, youchoose.community forward slash update dash me. That's a way that you can uh, connect there. Or on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, whatever. Ah, when God moves on your heart, you can obey, you can delay, and there's a third way to respond that I responded, and that's no way. No way. That's not a good one. I wouldn't recommend it, but uh, it is a way that we can respond. God put um, a couple of books on my heart, and one was great to write a book. One was I got to write a book with a friend of mine uh, that he... He was a bigwig in church planning, and he heard me pouring out my heart about all my mistakes and how I messed up so much. And he goes, hey, man, we should write a book together. I'm like, that sounds great. And so we did about all of our failure. seems like the more that I screw up, the more popular I get. It's, it's really awesome. You know, I just, I just figure out how else can I fail because people are going to love this, and, and I'm going to be able to help them. So we wrote a book on church planning blind spots, mistakes that we'd make. And that was tough, but it was a blast. It was, it was cool to be able to do that and a huge sense of accomplishment. But God put two other books in, in my head, um, among other things. One of them is more of an e-book on evangelism, but a, a second one was very clear. I knew I needed to do it. My wife knew I needed to do it, and I started writing it. I wrote several chapters, and then I basically just said, no way. I could give you a bunch of excuses and reasons why I didn't do it, why it fell by the wayside, but I basically just told God, no way, not now, I'm not doing it. And, and that's lame. 
And I realize what I'm doing now is, is pretty time-consuming, and it's great, and I love what I'm doing, and I'm being obedient with God. But on that one there, I said no way to, to writing the book, at least for now. And I hope to pick it up maybe the end of this year, certainly next year. I, I, I want to be led by God on that. But he's already told me to do it, and so I need to do it. I need to do it. It's what God wants me to do. Isaiah 30, verse 1. Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine. If we don't do what God asks us to do, then we're not going to be happy. We're not going to be fulfilled. We're not going to be having a proper purpose for our life. And we're going to be clearly disobeying what he wants us to do. But how do I know it's God? How do I know know that this is God wanting me to do this? Well, that's a question that would take, I mean, there's been volumes of books written on God's will and hearing from God and all that sort of stuff. But let me give it to you super simple because that's who I am, a pretty simple guy. Three ways that you can know if it's from God. When you get that prompt in your head or your heart or that I think this is what God wants me to do or this year I will and you start filling in the blank, I think that's what God wants me to do. Here's three ways to line it up. Number one, it aligns with the Bible. When you read the Bible, it lines up with it. Or certainly it doesn't go against it. If God said, listen, what I want you to do is start robbing banks and give all the money to the church. And that's a great idea, but it's not from God. It's not, God's not going to, because that goes against what the Bible teaches. The second way that you, can, that you can affirm that this is from God is that, number two, you get affirmation from other believers. And these are believers that maybe are affiliated with whatever you're wrestling with of being God's will. If, if you're saying, uh, this year I will work on my marriage and get it straightened out, and your best friend is, is in a four divorces and is fighting with his fifth wife, then it's probably not a wise... They're good people, and God, God loves them, and you guys should stay friends, but it's probably not the best place to get marriage advice. If, if you're having fine This year, I will get my finances in order. Angel advice. They're good people, and God loves them, and you love them, but don't, that's, not, that's not a good way to get affirmed. Heck yeah, you should bet it all on red. Go all in. It's just not... Not wise. It's not wise counsel. But for people that are a little longer in their spiritual faith and you trust them and they're, they've got a, a decent marriage or a decent finances, whatever it is that might work, they'll affirm that and go, yeah, that's right up. That sounds exactly what God would want you to do. That, that matches. And then a third way to do it is to listen to the Holy Spirit. We get, we get aligning with the Bible, affirmation by others, and then we listen to the Holy Spirit. It could be in prayer. It could be in fasting. It could be in journaling. It could be in reading the Bible. But you give God a chance to speak to your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in people that trust in Jesus. And ultimately, you'll feel a peace about the decision. You may not be comfortable with the decision, but you'll feel a peace about it. You may feel very uncomfortable with the decision. You may not like the decision at all, but it ain't about you. It's about God, and when you have a peace, then it's going to be okay, even if it's going to be tough. Look at the life of Joseph. <laughs> that guy was all over the map, and it took years and years for him to get to where his ultimate vision was, what God wanted for him, or what, what he saw at the very beginning as a kid with the favorite coat, and all his brothers, older brothers bowing down to him. What is God asking you to do? Quit your job? It's a good paying job, one that you're good at, then become a missionary at age 51? Yes, that's exactly what he called me to do. I don't want to do that. I don't like that he asked me to do that. It is not a comfortable thing for me to do that. But I've got a peace about it. So it doesn't really matter if I'm comfortable or like it or am enjoying this idea that I'm so dependent on others, individuals and churches, to be able to make a living. I'm 51, got two kids, teenagers, going to be going to college soon. 
Okay, sure, God. Sounds like fun. You got to trust him. I'm not comfortable at all, but I'm at peace. See, sometimes when you say yes to the Lord, questions pop up. Some, sometimes huge questions. Sometimes unanswerable questions. The, the waters get murky. Things don't make sense. Sometimes there's not a lot of logic. But you knew it was from God. It aligned with the Bible. You affirmed it with friends. The whole deal. And now you're going, okay. All right, I'm at peace with this, even though it is not a great place, a comfortable place. God never said it'd be easy. He never said it'd be comfortable. He said, you obey me and trust me and I'll take care of it. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. What's God asking you to do? It's your job to obey. It's his job to make it work. So this year I will. And you've talked to God. You've been talking to God. You've been listening. You've filled in the blank. Now it's time for you to obey. Just as my wife says all the time, start simply, but simply start. Start simply, but simply start today, this afternoon, before the Super Bowl starts. Ask weeks or so about this year, tomorrow morning, this week. What have you, you've been talking now for five plus weeks or so about this year I will. So fill in that blank and then go do. Don't delay. Don't say no way. Even if it doesn't make sense, just just obey. And do it today. If you don't, you'll be in disobedience, and that's not cool. And God doesn't want that for you. I don't want that for you. You don't want that for you. Proverbs 21.30 says, There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. The best thing that you could do this year is you fill in that blank and then go do it and don't look back. But for some of you, you've still never given your life to Jesus Christ. You you love God and you believe in Jesus and you believe he rose from the dead. You believe that he conquered death. He he conquered the enemy. He conquered sin. He died to forgive your sins. You believe all that. You're not hostile to that. You're still questioning about the whole organized religion thing or disorganized religion. It's Scott Matthews after all. So, you know, it's a little organized, a little disorganized. So so, he's not here. He left. So I I think he was here first. So, So you're still questioning that or whether this is your church home. I get that. But you've never fully grasped the concept of Jesus Christ being your Lord, being your boss, being your CEO, what it means to submit your life to Him, what it means to make Him Lord, to make Him your master, to make Him your boss. You've never really fully engaged in that covenant relationship. You've never been baptized. You've never sealed the deal with Him. You're, like you're, 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 I'm talking to you right now, a handful of you. It's probably not a whole lot of you, but there's a handful of you. You've been exploring. You've been searching. You've been thinking about Jesus. You've been a- asking spiritual questions. You've been attending church. You've been listening to messages, whatever it may be. You're certainly open to the case, but listen, you've got to cross the line of faith to really start engaging and embracing all this stuff. I, I don't know. Maybe it's like buying a car. You keep going back to the car lot, and you're looking at the car, and you like the car, and you want the car. You got the money for the car. Eventually, you got to put your money down and buy the car. You're never going to get the keys. You're never going to get to drive. And you're not going to figure out whether you can handle it or not. In my head, that was not bad. Because you have That's actually an illustration I just made up in my head. That was not bad. So buy the car today. 
make the check out to Barry Smith, <laughs> missionary, age 51. Forget the car and the money, okay? Don't want to mix money and all this. But make the decision to choose Jesus. Make the decision to finally sell out, to finally give in, to finally, you may not know exactly what that means to make him Lord, but the boss, the CEO, the head honcho, that he calls the shots. That's what it means. And then what you get is not only eternal life, but you get a peace on this earth. And you get someone that will walk through tough times with you. You get someone who will live inside your heart, as weird as that sounds, a presence in you that is perfect and that will never leave you, never forsake you, never do you wrong, never say they're going to show up and don't do it. They'll be the absolute best friend you ever could have, but they're also the boss and the CEO who has your best interest in mind according to their purposes. So everything doesn't make sense, and it's not going to be easy. But you will have a peace and power to be able to make it through whatever it is the difficult times bring you. That's Christianity. That's forgiveness of sins. It's free. Listen, it's free, but it will cost you your life. There's nothing you could do to earn it. Not going to church, not being a good person, not sinning anymore, you're just going to stop that. Not being pure and righteous, not reading your Bible every day. None of that, all that's good stuff, by the way. Ain't going to do jack to get you to heaven. Putting your trust in the blood of Jesus Christ and putting your faith in Him and what He did for you, that's what seals your deal with God. And the best thing that you could do if you've not done that this year, instead of worrying about all these external things and actions, is to do what the video said and worry about your heart. God cares about your heart more than your actions. Actions follow the heart. Give your heart to God through Jesus. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, God, we come to you right now as a group of people, very eclectic, very wonderful group of people. And I'm guessing that there are a handful of people that are, who... There's probably quite a few that maybe aren't walking their walk with you. Their, their relationship with you is kind of damaged or it isn't great right now. And so we want to put them on pause for just a second. I want to talk to the handful of people that have never given their lives to Jesus. You've never been baptized. You've never fully committed to the Lord. You've never uh, made him the boss. And right now your heart's kind of racing a little bit. And your hands or your pits are getting a little bit sweaty. And you're thinking, man, I don't know what's going on here. And I, I'm just relax and take a breath. There's no pressure. You don't have to do anything. But that's quite likely the Holy Spirit that's moving in your heart. And he's saying, I want, I want, I want you. And I died for you. And I love you. And I care for you. And I want to walk with you. But I'm not going to force my way into your heart. You've got to ask me. If you've never given your life before, you've never given your life to Jesus in the past, and you want to do that this morning, I just want you to quietly slip your hand up with no one looking around. You say, today's the day I want Jesus for the first time. I want to give my life to Christ. I just want you to slip your hand up. I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to have you come forward. I'm not going to do anything weird. I just want you to raise your hand really high so I can see it because I want to pray for you. I've never given my life to Jesus, and today I want to do that for the very first time. If that's you, just slip your hand up just very quietly and no one looking around. My guess is there's also another set of people that uh, you've been um, 
you've been coming to church, you've been doing your thing, but you you haven't been really into it, and your walk with God has not been what you had hoped it would be. And uh, today's a day where you're saying, "Hey, this year I will, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get my stuff straight with God. I'm gonna start really walking my walk. Uh, I've got an area or two that I need to clean up. God needs to clean up, and I need to submit and obey." If that's you, I just want to pray for you as well. Just slip your hand up, just so I know you're there. I can pray. Just slip your hand up real quietly where you're at. Very good. Father, I pray for all these who have raised their hands, and I pray that that you, through your power, the only way that you can, that you would you would invade their lives in their through their minds, into their soul, into their heart, into their very core being, and you would encourage them, and you would inspire them. And you would empower them. And that they would sense your forgiveness and your love and not your condemnation because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's just gone. Once you meet Jesus, that stuff's gone. But give them power and strength. No, no, you've already given them that. Help them to tap into the power and strength that they have because the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that we have as believers to get through this life and to, to, to be able to accomplish what it is that you want us to do. And we may not be comfortable and we, we certainly may not like what you want us to do. But we will obey. We're not going to delay. We're not saying no way. Today we say we will obey. And then God, when we leave these, this room, May we write it down. May we put it in our day timers. May we, we go home and stitch it on our forehead. I don't know, do something so that we won't forget this and that we really will follow through because you're worthy of that. You are worth it. You're our boss. You're our Lord. And you're our friend. So may we obey super clearly, super radically, and immediately. And may you help us when we feel weak, confused, and in the murky waters where it just doesn't look like up is down and down is up and we're not sure what to do. And we will trust you for the results. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.